Hi, this is Dan. And this is Joe. And this is Enough Room. So I think it's interesting how important stories can be and and how just sharing about our own experiences can really change people's perspective. I think probably another aspect of how stories can change people's perspective is is helping them to understand the diversity and variety within the queer community. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel like that there is this, um, I guess there's this idea of what it means to be gay that oh, is yeah. out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I know for me, um, I know you, you asked a question about how when I came out, did I suddenly f- want to do certain things or feel like I needed to do mm. certain things? And it's interesting, to a certain extent, yes, there were these, these, um, and I can't even necessarily articulate them exactly, but there were certain ways that I just felt like, oh, I've, I've come out, I should behave differently, and I, and I want to behave differently. And it wasn't necessarily because I, I guess I naturally wanted to, but it was almost like I saw that that's what gay people did. So I saw, I, I thought about who I'd seen in the media. I thought about what stories I'd heard. I thought about just my perception of what it meant to be gay was. And then I wanted to replicate that in my own life because, well, I'm gay. So that's what I should be like. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, um, I guess that just goes to show that sometimes the the our idea of what it means to be gay is not necessarily an accurate picture of what an individual gay person may be like. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like as soon as someone goes, I am gay, um, that they somehow have to be able to, you know, recite all of the lyrics to Toxic or Born This Way or that they should now somehow have like a mesh T-shirt that they wear mm. every Friday night or whatever it is. Uh, or that they are somewhere out clubbing on a Friday night. And yeah, for some reason, again, media plays a huge part of it. I think society in general um, plays a huge part. I just realized something. It's interesting that on one hand, society tells us how not to behave. Mm. And then on the other side, Society also tells us how they think we should behave, Mm. you know. Um, And yeah, so you've got media on one hand showing us images of uh, gay people who uh, people then look to and stereotype. Mm. Um, Or gay people, especially young people who've just come out as gay or queer, look at these, um, you know, people on media and somehow think that that's what mm. being gay is all about and that's what I have to now emulate. Um, I think it's that, that tension there of, mm. of, as we talked about, visibility and, and making sure that people are visible, but then not allowing that visibility to dictate how people choose to act and, mm. and don't let people then in an attempt to fit in try and, um, I guess, copy what they see, but really learn to be themselves and mm. be comfortable in who they yeah. are. Yeah, and the truth of the matter is, there is no right way to be queer. There, there isn't a rule book on it. There's no right way to mm. do it. You just have to be authentically yourself. 
Um, and, and I think I think we're seeing a lot more of that now in the media. Oh yeah. To be honest, yeah. I think growing up there was, you know, there was that token gay character, and they were always funny. They were never in committed relationships, and um, oftentimes they might be promiscuous. They were always over the top camp, and that was what you saw as gay in the media. Mm. I think now there is a, a huge. A much wider variety yeah. of, of what is shown in the media in, in terms of gay characters and yeah. queer characters. Um, you see a lot more of a spectrum of yeah. personalities. and Yeah, and I, I think the same thing applies as a person of colour. The same thing applies with uh, people of colour where um, for the longest time, you know, they were described in media as being, I don't know, the funny sidekick. And then when, and and I've actually realized this is in certain circles, I sometimes feel the pressure to be funny (laughs) for some weird reason. Um, And then you also hear of times when, um, you know, someone isn't necessarily the funniest person of color Islander. And then you, you hear comments about how, oh, you know, that person, I think he has an attitude problem. And you're like, why? Just because he's not, you know, fulfilling a role that you see on TV Mm. or, you know, what is it? And again, this going back to that thing about, you know, being a bad gay or bad bad queer person. It's, it's so weird how when we don't fulfill that image of what it looks like. And I think both the straight world and the gay world is equally (laughs) guilty of this. Mm. Uh, When we don't fulfill that image of what it looks like, um, we get criticized mm. even though there's i personally believe there's no right way of being mm. gay or queer you have to just be authentically yourself and i think that's partly at the a human condition that i think we're dealing with and i think we're starting to see a bit of a shift i hope <laughs> in society but i think as humans we want to fit in and to us fitting in means reflecting being the same as and being similar to others around us um and so unfortunately that means that fitting in means acting the same way and and expecting people to act a certain way um but i I think the problem with that is that then we don't have that variety and that um, diversity that is so beautiful within the human race um and i think that's one thing that i have really appreciated over the last few years as i have Um, been to pride parades as I have gotten more involved with the queer community and particularly the queer Christian community, I have started to see for myself the huge variety of people that is part of this community. And that is not something that I understood or I realized before getting into this because I myself had these stereotypical ideas of what it meant to be gay and what, what gay people were like. And the idea that they were all promiscuous, that it was it was all about sex and that you always wore, um, I guess, revealing clothing um, and just a lot of inappropriate conversation. There was always drugs. There was always alcohol, a party lifestyle, all these sorts of things. They were my perceptions of what it meant to be gay and what mm. the gay lifestyle was. Yeah. And I think I have really appreciated over the past few years starting to see that just like the heterosexual lifestyle, there may be people 
who live that lifestyle within the queer community. There may be individuals who can relate to that sort of way of a life, but that in no way represents the majority of the queer community Mm. and everyone in the queer community. There is a huge variety of personalities and interests and and lifestyles within the queer community. And and I think that's what I've absolutely loved in the the past few years. And and just because someone exhibit a myself might enjoy clubbing at a certain point in their lives it doesn't mean that that carries on throughout i love a good dance but at the same time i think i'm at an age and i'm so i feel so old when i say this i'm at an age where i just don't have the energy um to go out every friday night you know um and so yeah just because something might be part of someone's life at a certain point does not define what their whole life will look like. And I want to say this, especially for those young people who are, you know, coming out as queer, don't let society define what that looks like for you. Mm. And don't let, don't let what you see in the queer community dictate um, what your life should look like, Mm. you know, be authentically, yourself the bible says hold on to what is good Mm. and you know that's that's what life is all about we go through seasons we go through experiences and throughout all of these things we learn and we grow and we hold on to that which is good um and we don't let other people define how we you know need to be or how which mold we need to fit Mm. um But through our experiences and through this walk with God, we are continuously looking for and holding on to things that are good for ourselves and Mm. for those around us as well. And I think what's really, I guess, um, something that's that's quite significant and becoming more significant for me, um, the more that I think about it, is just the fact that as we have been talking about, sometimes the church is afraid um, for gay pride and because of gay pride, because they're afraid of too much visibility. They're afraid that it's being pushed in their faces. And I think oftentimes that fear can be associated with their picture of what the gay lifestyle is. And so they're worried that if gay people are too open and out and, and honest in the churches, what they're really worried about is that these people are going to be bringing pros- uh, promiscuity and, and, um, drugs and alcohol and and this from their perspective totally unchristian lifestyle they're going to be promoting that in the churches if they start speaking up about and affirming the queer community and i think that that is again where stories can make a huge difference because in sharing our stories, we can start to help the church realize that there is no such thing as this gay lifestyle and this image that they've built up in their mind about what it means to be gay. Um, not all of us are promiscuous. Not, of a, not all of us um, drink. Not all of us do drugs. And not all of us are party animals. We don't all dress a certain way. And, and I think that that's something that the church is missing out on when it doesn't get to know people in the community and it doesn't, um, I guess, allow queer Christians to share their stories and be open, to be visible, and um, from their perspective, be overt about who they are. 
Um, so I think that, that that's where, again, these stories can make a huge difference to just rebuild this picture of what it means to be gay. And this one is especially, again, for those of you who are, you know, really young um, queer people who might still be finding your feet um, in this crazy world that we live in. Um, connect with groups out there, um, especially if you're in the church. There's an awesome group called uh, Kinship, for example. You know, connect with them. Um, I think it's a great space where we can share stories and share experiences. Um, these are what I would call safe spaces. Um, one of the saddest things about our experience is that there aren't enough of these. Um, but like we've been saying this past few weeks, you know, our stories and our experiences as we continue to share them in a, a way that is unashamed and in a way that is confident, um, we can continue to um, expand these spaces that are safe and that are uh, accepting where we can be authentic, all of those buzzwords. <laughs> and I then. think it, it's interesting. Um, I was, as I said, reading this article recently and, and it was interesting as it talked about when the church hasn't been that safe space and the church has shown that it is not a place that queer people can find community, what it's doing is it's forcing queer Christians and queer Adventists to find community elsewhere and more often than not, they find that community with their fellow queer people. And and then they are taught, let's say, you know, that lifestyle. When they find community outside of the church, then, of course, they're not necessarily going to find what we see as those Christian values, maybe, or those Christian ideals that we do have within the Christian church, that we do promote within the Christian church. Yes, I honestly believe that that being a Christian encourages a different lifestyle and a different way of living and a different way of thinking. But we get that by staying within the church community and learning from each other and encouraging one another and, and that sort of thing. And so when, when the church refuses to be a community for someone, forcing them to go out into the world to find community, then... They can't complain if that person starts to adopt similar practices. And when that person does start to get into the party lifestyle and they do start to drink and they do start to take drugs and they do get promiscuous because the church has not been a safe place for them. And so I think in many ways the church has almost been a, a cause of an issue that it sees, mm. um, you know, self-perpetuating issue here and and I think, again, that's where the church is failing to understand that being a safe place and being open to hearing people's stories and people's journeys and, and providing community for them will actually then allow them to support these people who are queer, who are Christian, in still abiding by those same principles and those same lifestyle choices mm. that the church wants to promote. Mm. And for those of you who are not queer, I I hope that from the past few episodes you've sort of heard um, some, I guess, thoughts on how your actions as, you know, allies and people within the church who have that privilege of being straight in the church, um, you know, how your actions can affect so many other people 
And I want to challenge you, you know, what are you doing in your circles? We've spoken a lot to our queer brothers and sisters out there, but I think um, I just want to, you know, reach out to um, our straight allies and friends or people who are curious about our stories as um, queer Christians. You know, I want to challenge you. What are you doing um, in your churches to help move it to a place that is more safe um, so that church and religion is no longer, um, you know, a conduit mm. for a lot of the painful um, stories and experiences that we see in our society today, mm. that religion stops playing a part mm. um, in this self-perpetuating um, cycle mm. of rejection and pain mm. and hurt and rejection and mm. pain and hurt. Um, you know, I really want to challenge you. We don't have the privilege that you do. We can pray for you. We can sit down and share our stories with you. Um, but I would be, you know, totally lying if I were to say that we could do this without you. We need mm. you. Um, we need you to uh, be our voices in spaces where we cannot speak. Mm. Um, we need you to, um, you know, be our representatives in spaces that where we cannot go. But yeah, I just want to put that challenge out. I, I also just want to thank all of our allies. Mm. Um, you know, we thank you for the amazing work that you do, big or small, whether you are out there, you know, standing in front of a board or whether you are in our small groups praying with us, mm. being an ear uh, mm. for when we want to share with someone. And I think this this whole conversation really reminds me of that conversation that the Pharisees had with Jesus' disciples when they were asking, why is Jesus hanging out with these people, these sinners, these tax collectors, these prostitutes? These people who the Pharisees, the church, saw as the scum of the earth, just not worthwhile. And and not just were not worthwhile, but they weren't even willing to spend time with them, to be associated with them because of their lifestyle, because of how they lived. And yet Jesus was able to look past that judgment. He was able to look past that um, I guess that prideful way of seeing these people where the church and the Pharisees saw themselves as better than these people, Jesus was able to look past that and have compassion on them and, and realize that these people weren't necessarily doing these things um, totally out of choice because necessarily they wanted to. In some ways, these people had been forced into these lifestyles they they had no choice because of the circumstances because of the way they may have been treated by the pharisees maybe because of the way that they had been treated by other people in the community they ended up in these positions that from the church's perspective was seen as sinful was seen as as a terrible place to be in a, a terrible lifestyle and I think that that's, again, something that we find today is that we fail to understand or even care about the circumstances that have led to people living certain lifestyles or, or making certain life choices. Um, we, we fail to take the time to try and get to know people and how they have gotten to the place they are. 
we don't take the time, for example, to think about why the man on the street corner is homeless. We don't take the time to understand the circumstances that led to him being in that position. We just automatically judge that person for making poor life choices and putting themselves in a situation where they're now without a home. But we don't take the time to get to know how or why. And, and I think in, that's a very extreme example, but I think in many ways that has been a fault of the church for so many years now. They have looked at the queer community and they have judged them and they have admittedly made a lot of assumptions about the lifestyle they lead. But even if people were leading that sort of lifestyle that they had a problem with, I feel like the church has not even made an effort to get to know those people and understand why. How did they get to that point? And how many of those people were living that lifestyle because they were pushed out of their churches? How many people were forced into that lifestyle or pushed into that community because the church refused to accept them? And and I think that, that, that is, that's just a huge... Um, a huge issue that the church has in many ways failed to acknowledge. I think some some churches are really starting to acknowledge that they have um, made a huge mistake over the past few decades and that they have caused a lot of hurt. And in many ways, they may actually have caused people to uh, fall into lifestyles that are not good and, and that even the people themselves acknowledge are not healthy. But... I think, unfortunately, the majority of the church and certainly the church administration, the church leadership at the moment does not seem to be able to acknowledge the part that they have played in that and certainly does not seem to be taking the time to get to know these people and as Jesus did, dine with them, spend time with them, get to know them and offer support to them and comfort them in the face of uh, adversity and ridicule from, um, I guess, the church, the Pharisees of today, the, the legalists and the, the, those who are boastful and proud of their, their religion, their Christianity. Unfortunately, the church has not been able to look past them to see the souls, the people who are in that lifestyle. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Enough Room. We'll be dropping another episode in about a week's time. So until then, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Till next time. Bye.